Hi, I'm Angela Ardolino and welcome to Your Natural Dog, my podcast featuring in-depth conversation with the world's leading holistic veterinarians and pet care pros. Join us every week as we reveal natural alternatives to the outdated, one-size-fits-all pet care model we're used to. If you like what you hear, please make sure to leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. The only way we can get our message out to pet parents all over the world is with your support. Stop barking! I'm trying to record a podcast! Hey everybody, Angela Ardolino with Your Natural Dog, and my guest today is one of my very favorite holistic vets. She started her practice in 1983 and has been practicing ever since, and what I love about her is that she never stops learning and researching and finding natural products out there that can help our pets heal naturally. She's written the book on deer antler velvet. She's written the book on how vet, other veterinarians, conventional veterinarians can integrate these holistic natural modalities into their practice. She is such an advocate for us pet parents and learning about these things. Stay tuned. You're going to learn so much. We're going to be talking about thymus, perna, colostrum, and how those items, which are all natural also interact with the endocannabinoid system and help our bodies heal and fight disease. So stay tuned. And we're back with Dr. PJ Broadfoot, one of my very favorite holistics. And I love being able to talk to you because I can be like, did you hear about this? What do you think about that? Do you think that's interacting with the endocannabinoid system? I also <laughs> love that you never give up on a patient. And you realize that all dogs or, or pets are different and you love to just keep on trying holistic and natural things that you know aren't going to cause any harm. The only thing they could do is actually help, right? That's true. Yeah, it's so nice to have multiple things to be able to offer. You know, it's a, it's a hard thing. You know, back when I was, when most, I think one of the reasons that conventional vets, a lot of them get so burned out is that they run out of options so rapidly. So it's like, you know, they don't have anything else that they can offer, that they know they can offer. So it's right. really a it's really a revelation to people when they actually realize there are other things out there. It's a huge paradigm shift. And sometimes it just takes one thing to get the right. to get that ball rolling towards more integrative health. They don't have to give up what they know. I still use conventional medicines, just not the main part of my practice. So I know that like my favorite things are, you know, adaptogens and cannabis and mushrooms, medicinal mushrooms and adaptogenic herbs. I know that your favorite things are thymus, colostrum, deer antler, algae, deer antler velvet and <laughs> algae. So I have you on to talk about these because I feel like a lot of these natural things interact with the endocannabinoid system also. and. And I remember the first time I learned this. Have you heard of shilajit? Yes, I've heard of it. I remember that was the first time I learned something other than a plant or a mushroom could be an adaptogen. And it <laughs> kind of blew my mind. I was like, what the heck is this? And what <laughs> shilajit is, so that people know what it is, is that it's literally the water that comes down the ice caps melt in the Himalayans and they run down the mountain and all of the minerals and good sh that comes from the plants and everything comes down and they literally bottle it. It's like mud and you can throw <laughs> it in your coffee or in a capsule or whatever. And it is considered an adaptogen. So that's why I knew, huh, I bet 
that this thymus and this colostrum, well, I already know colostrum has, you know, the original endocannabinoids in, mm-hmm. in it. So yes. I know why that's so valuable. So let's talk about these. Let's start with colostrum, for instance. Okay. Because I remember also learning for the first time that how a puppy or a baby could be born with an endocannabinoid deficiency because they weren't breastfed. Mm-hmm. And yes. I know that from the endocannabinoids being in the breast milk. But what else is in that first milk from, you know, the mother that helps us well, and, our, and our animals? There's uh, neurotropic factors. So there's there's factors in it for growth because obviously that's what, you know, you think of, of the rate, at the speed of, at which some animals grow. Is it like a microgreen? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of. It could be. <laughs> they have actually showed that it reduced leaky uh, leaky mucous membranes. They actually did the studies in kidneys for in kidney failure. Wow. So you know it helps with leaky gut. It has bone-derived uh, neurotropic factors or precursors for them. There are bone factors for building. There are brain uh, factors. There are that uh, actually BDNF is a brain-derived neurotropic factor. The thing that I think is fascinating is that every species they that I studied preferentially puts a lot of zinc in the first milk. And they never talk about colostrum being a thymus inducer, but it is. You have to have zinc for the thymus to work. If you if you're deficient for about two weeks in zinc, you can uh, actually involute, the thymus will shrink if you don't have zinc. Wow. And are you saying that zinc is in that first milk? Zinc is preferentially put in every species that I studied preferentially puts zinc into the first milk, into the colostrum. So wow. it's a it, it's just an amazing it's an and you know if the, if you look at transfer factors come out of there and you know a lot of things that we will extract from them and sell them as a separate thing but I'm kind of I'm a I'm a whole foods foodie uh, Me I too. you know the first thing whole I ever plant. exactly the first thing I ever used that that really shifted my my thinking was perna you know the green lip mussel the shellfish and it's a it's a full plate it's got uh, minerals and fatty acids. And it, there's 53 fatty acids in the in the perna, which I, you know I didn't even wow. know there were 53 fatty acids, but but it's a it's a full plate. And colostrum is very much the same way. It's an all sustaining nutrient, you know, to start to jumpstart the body. So the factors that are in it are incredible. And you said it's really good for the thymus. Tell us what the thymus is and what it's responsible for. So the thymus is the, it's the linchpin of the immune system. In babies, it's huge. You know, it's, it's big. If it's, if it is missing, there is virtually no immune system. Wow. So it's, and so it is responsible. It determines, helps the body determine what is self and what is not self. So you think about everything that occurs in life is dependent on, on recognition factors of what is self and what is non-self. So if your if your system decides that your pancreas cells are non-self, then the the immune system will attack the pancreas. So and just an interesting aside on that because I don't know anything else that does that. But uh, Dr. Ushijima, who developed the thymus extract that we use, had there was two kids, one of which was his grandson with newly diagnosed type one diabetes that went into remission. On thymus. Wow. I don't know anything else that'll do that. So is this something that you would prescribe to a diabetic dog or cat? Mm-hmm. And what it, what do you think it does? We know it's a biomodulator. And Which so means it, what? So it helps balance the arms of the immune system. So they have shown that, you know, it balances TH1, TH2, CD4, CDA, you know, just whatever. It's, it's one of those things that's a homeostatic enabler. 
So it brings things back to center. So it's a big balancing agent. It ramps down inflammation. You know, for such a small amino acid protein sequence, there it's actually a peptide. The ones that are extracted are actually peptides. And there's a huge thing now on peptides. You know, it's, it's everywhere, all these different peptides. So uh, bone-derived neurotropic factor, I think, is, a, is actually considered a peptide. So, you know, so people are extracting these and, and using them. But, you know, it's primary. The thymus is primarily thought to be a, an immune factor, but it, it does so many other things. When you really go down that rabbit hole, it controls a lot of things like in, the inflammation because they, they're all – they're all converging things. So, you know, you balance it like the cannabinoid system, you know, that there's a really cool video of the cannabinoid system, like looking at like a mobile and you Uh you unbalance one of them. And so everything else goes off. So sometimes can just put one key thing back in there and everything else just, you know, starts balancing and, and working in concert with one another. So there's a lot of factors that really work nicely that synergize well together uh, thymus being another one, you know, it's one of the reasons that Penta is, is built the way it is. They're all regeneratives. And they can be given orally, kind of like the CBD. So, you know, you, if you can give the body a full spectrum of things to work with, it can pick and choose what it needs. That's And that's why I like them better than I like taking one factor out and giving it. That may be the one factor you need, but if you're missing, you know, you, you can only build until you have all the factors that you need to put in place. When you look at the, the Krebs cycle and how many things fit into that cycle. If you're missing one thing, you can put all kinds of other things back into it, but you can only run that cycle to the point where you're to that one missing part, that one missing point. So, you know, if you put whole foods in, you the body has way more things to choose from. I feel like we are dealing with deficiencies constantly. Oh, and- yes. And when you are dealing with deficiencies, throwing maybe a synthetic drug at it doesn't necessarily help it, especially when we're trying to modulate the immune system. Deficiency and toxicities are probably the two major things that we deal with. You know, we're just looking at we have poisoned the poisoned the food and the water and the air. And so a, a drug only does I don't know of any drugs that don't do any, that do anything besides symptomatic a symptomatic fix and they sometimes create, in fact, they usually create more things that we didn't have prior to that. So, Right. Because if we're, if we're filled with toxins and our kidneys and liver are busy getting the synthetic toxins out or the synthetic ingredients out of their body, they're not doing what they're supposed to, which no. is detoxifying us. Correct? Exactly. Yeah, there are several organs of detoxification and and that and that the body uses as routes of excretion, but we gum those things up so rapidly that they they don't and then then they don't have a lot of almost everything that you think of comes down to some kind of a mitochondrial deficiency of some sort. So, you know, mitochondria run the energy. So if you look at just the liver cells, there are two thousand to twenty five hundred mitochondria in every liver cell. I don't know who sat around and counted those, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, you, that it just goes to show you how much work the liver has to do, you know, and once you've run down the, the engines of the mitochondria, they just simply can, they don't have the, the energetic supply to do the work that they're intended to do. So, you know, a lot of things go through the kidneys. A lot of things go through the liver. Most things go through the liver. And if that, if that liver is, is gummed up, you know, you're, you're in trouble because the body just has to 
stuff those toxins somewhere else. So I love how you keep saying the words regenerative because I remember, well, I remember I'm still dealing with it. All my senior dogs turning into geriatric dogs and watching things just deteriorate in front Mm -hmm. of me and going, okay, what can I do to help them? And realizing how few things actually regenerate things. So I loved, of course, learning about lion's mane and how it regenerates the telomeres and regenerates the neurons and blown away how literally you can't find anything else. And I'm like, we literally have nothing for these old dogs. Now we do. And what I love is that, you know, all of these natural things are a natural way to supplement and help the dogs heal naturally instead of something that's synthetic that is not going to help them and make things worse. So that's that's what's so fascinating about these things. So you're saying you have a thymus deficiency and it's not doing what it's supposed to. You literally can feed it colostrum and thymus, right? Yes, yes. And where you get the thymus from? Well, the thymus mostly comes from cattle just because it's a, it's a, readily available resource. Right. But when I was, I was lecturing in Leon, Mexico, several years ago, and and I lectured on thymus extracts, and a a veterinarian came up to me afterwards and was telling me that she had had been working with a zoo, and they had, I think it was a lion, it was a big cat, I think, with a non-healing wound, and they gave it crocodile thymus. (laughs) <laughs> so thymus is thymus. The peptides, by the time you get down to the small pe- peptides, they're, they're, they're basic ingredients in, in, you know, all species probably that have, have them, but that, that big cat healed up on crocodile thymus. <laughs> uh, that is hilarious. And does, I wonder if he had any um, different behaviors now that he had part <laughs> crocodile. crocodile <enough. laughs> I don't know if you could tell on a big cat, but uh, yeah. And then, you know, I was, uh, was in Chicago lecturing a few years ago and there was a, a naturopath that taught at the school up there. And there's a Chinese, there's mm-hmm. a Chinese medicine and natural medicine school there. And her mom had had, I think an autoimmune condition and she was getting rabbit thymus. I don't know where they got that. I have looked and I have not seen any anywhere. Um, but the cattle thymus is by far the, the most most readily available, attainable. So are humans getting results and relief from using an animal thymus? Yes. Yes. Actually, on my website, which I can't take credit for because I do not do tech stuff. My staff does that. But there are, we finally uploaded the videos. I did about seven hours of interview. I don't know how you guys do interviews all the time with Dr. Ushijima. And he's an incredible fellow. In fact, he's in his early 90s, just got back from Japan where he walked like miles and miles and miles every day. But he developed that uh, thymus extract uh, in response to what was called weak calf syndrome. And when they opened him up, then they did autopsies on him. They had no thymus. That's what got started all of that, with all of that. But it was human doctors that did this lion's uh, work of just trying stuff. And, I, you know, it must have been, the FDA must not have been as difficult to deal with back then because they were using it off, I mean, off-label on, they, they used it topically. Uh, you know what? I'm going to pause you for a minute. The reason that the FDA was probably like that is because they weren't controlled by Big Pharma yet. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> and they were like, oh yeah, look, this stuff really works. Let's uh, let's look into this. <laughs> they they used it as a uh, as an updraft, you know, breathing it in. They had oh, a dozen cool. people with end-stage emphysema that 
got no less than 100% improvement in lung function. The average was 300% improvement in lung function by nebulizing it. That's another thing I have because of you, a nebulizer that I don't know how to use. (laughs) (laughs) One day you're coming to my house and I'm going to make you show me how to do I tried last time I was there. (laughs) (laughs) Next time, I swear. Okay. I I feel like we're going to find eventually that thymus is part of the endocannabinoid system. I just feel like we are like it's the brains behind it or I don't know what I mean. I know we have receptors. I'm going to go down that rabbit hole because I love discovering these things. I feel like every day I'm learning something else and they're discovering, you know, the researcher that found and named THC CBD in the endocannabinoid system, Dr. McCollum, is literally saying all of these other activations in our bodies that are a lot like what cannabis does are part of the endocannabinoid system. So the future and research is going to be, this is actually part, this is actually part, this is actually part, because these things that have been known to modulate and do all of these things will Mm -hmm. end up being part. So I'm excited about that because it makes sense to me. And I will tell you that the they had like 37 cancers, 30 some, I don't quote me, I'm terrible on numbers. They had 30 some cancers that went into remission, different kinds of cancers. They used different adjuvants with them. One of the adjuvants was actually something that come, like um, comes out of mushrooms. We're going to take a commercial break because when we come back, let's talk about mushrooms. Let's talk about how these, how what does colostrum, thymus, and mushrooms all have in common? What the heck are glycans and how they react the same? So I love that you brought that up. So when we come back, we'll talk about that. If you're like us, Your pets are part of the family. That's why at CBD Dog Health, we created a line of human-grade, full-spectrum hemp products tailored specifically to your furry friend's needs. Whether they're suffering from fear of fireworks, arthritis from old age, or even seizures and cancer, research shows that a high-quality CBD oil can make a big difference for them. Enter coupon code RADIO at cbddoghealth.com for 15% off your first order. That's R-A-D-I-O. CBD Dog Health. Healing naturally. All right. We are back with Dr. PJ Broadfoot on Your Natural Dog. And we're talking about these other natural things that we can find in our world that feeds our endocannabinoid system, helps our immune system. A lot of times what I love about uh, Dr. PJ is that she won't stop until she finds something that works. And there's always... Every pet is an individual and completely different. So you can't just say this is going to work every time. So I do the same type of thing, combining mushrooms and herbs and cannabis until I get a result that I need or want. And then when I can't find it, I usually text PJ and go, all right, what else should I throw at him? (laughs) So it's almost like you are taking these other natural substances, you know, and using them to their benefit. And of course, now everybody is interested in medicinal mushrooms and what they can do. And you're literally proving and saying that colostrum, thymus, perna are kind of doing the same type of things and are a lot, a lot have a lot of the same activation as mushrooms do, right? Yes. Like I've even heard you say that they have glycans. And I'm like, wait a minute, aren't those polysaccharides? Isn't that what's in mushrooms? So explain that to me. Well, glycans are, are kind of the substance that makes up the, the mesenchyme. They're, so they're the framework on which everything else is built. 
So there's proteoglycans, there's glycosaminoglycans, which are sugar. And if you look at things like diabetes, that happens in the mesenchyme or the matrix long before you ever see increases that are that are sustained in the blood because it's a sponge. They're Meaning actually, you can catch it before it turns into diabetes. Yes, I, I, I truly believe you can because that what happens is that framework of glycans is catching sugar. So they call that uh, advanced glycosylization oh. end, end products or, gly, or ages. And that, that is going on long before you ever, you know, once you get so much candy in that system, when that tissue becomes rigid, then you can't push sugar through. The insulin can't push the sugar through that space anymore. So, you know, you're, so you're pre-diabetic long before you're frankly diabetic and we're measuring the blood. We're not measuring the matrix or the mesenchyme, which is glycans, which means sugar. Glyco is sugar. So, you know, you'll stack those sugars out there. So the first time I ever, you know, I had read a study on alpha lipoic acid and uh, lymphomyosote, which is a complex homeopathic, and, uh, and that was supposed to help with diabetic neuropathy, which is an end-stage issue because you've gummed up that mesenchyme so much that the, the nerves are actually being compressed. So the first dog I ever put on it was on lots of insulin and and just didn't feel good. He didn't feel good at all. So we put him on the, the uh, lymphomyosin alpha lipoic acid. And much to my dismay, his blood sugars went up instead of down. And I was going, but, you know, he was clearing the coffee table and he was running and he was playing. So obviously his cells were happier. Well, year, several years later, I was listening to a lecture by one of the homotox people and from Germany, and 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 she made the comment that the matrix is gummed up with sugar. That sugar, if the cells can't take it, it has to come back into the bloodstream to be peed out. So, you know, you're looking at we don't we we're not looking at the matrix space. We're not looking at the framework, uh, the glycans or the you know all those things like the uh, collagen and that's the internet of the body. I mean, that's where the information, it's the information stream. It's like an internet. Uh, it's also where somewhere in there is also where the acupuncture meridians run. So that, you know, it's a huge information space. So, you know, there's was some really interesting studies that I, that I put in the, in the deer antler book, the little deer antler book that there was a, a researcher named Pruden that was um, using collagen I'm pretty sure it was collagen in end stage cancer patients, you know, failed conventional therapy. And they had remissions of a lot of a lot of those patients. And my thought is that if you restore the Internet, if you restore the cell to cell communication, if you restore the the pH, the electrical potential, cancer cells are have got the wrong electrical signal. So the body sees that the only two things that the body tolerates are a fetus that are not self, are a fetus and cancer. And part of that is because they both have a different charge on the cells, or on like the placenta, and the, they're coated in a different in a different charge. And that charge to the, the body tolerates that charge. Interesting. There's an oxygenation component to that, which sets those up. Uh, so the pH is, the, and it's, you know, so the cancer is acidic, it likes acid, it makes acid. So there's all of these factors that we that you know you need to look at all of those kind of in concert when you're trying to deal with uh, with a, a cancer patient. So and there's some really interesting things 
you know, that, about stress and cortisol levels. And that's where a lot of those modifiers, those endocrine balancers can come in, in that it downregulates the stress factors, the cortisol, those, you know, you think about people who, you know, they lost, lose a spouse and six months later they've got cancer. Now, it's probably already there, but the stressors, you know, unbalanced, they're, they're, they're much more unbalancing than we, than we think about. So those can all be big factors. So, you know, you do things that, you know, they, the, the book Laughter is the Best Medicine. You know, there's some truth to that. Right. It elevates your endocannabinoid system. It elevates your, those hormones that improve mood and, and sense of well-being. That's not just um, mood. It's, it's down. <laughs> it's, it's, that is whole it's body real. stuff. It is very real. Yeah, I think it's so, all of that is so interesting. But what's so hard is like, I understand it for myself, but how do we practice that with our pets? You know, and I think, okay, let's take them outside. Let's let them run around and be themselves mm-hmm. and smell and sniff and lay in the sunshine and do all of the things that these animals are supposed and to do is probably are, what's going to keep them. All of those are big factors. You think about just the issue of grounding or earthing. Which is there's a there the Earth has an inherent uh, frequency, and we're isolated from it because we're wearing rubber-soled shoes, and uh, so we're not we're not in tune. We're not getting that electron flow that comes from the ground up through and balances stuff. Actually, yeah. it's like a shower. A lot of times people feel better after a shower. Well, that's you're bathing yourself in electrons that have come through the earth. They're coming through pipes, but they're still coming through the earth. Oh, I know. Like native peoples literally buried them in the ground to heal, you know, if yes. someone was sick. Kind or of put thing. them in a sweat lodge and raise the temperature. Yep. I mean, I, I um, my small farm, I. I make sure I go barefoot, which sounds gross, but no, that's I, great. Uh, I go do all my farming. That's great. <laughs> when I do my animals every day, I try to go, okay, don't forget to go barefoot. So you can at least ha- spend that small <laughs> Who was time. It? Ruth, Ruth Stout, was it Ruth Stout? That was the, she was a gardener that she gardened naked. I don't know if that's the right person, but she gardened naked. She was known for that. So she got vitamin D and uh, awesome. grounding. <laughs> I would do that, but my neighbors would watch. Yeah, I know it. Yeah. <laughs> So I know that a lot of people are probably listening and I feel I want them to understand that degeneration is something that we all go through with old age and that we all have cancer cells in us and that cancer is a part of degeneration. However, we can do something about it. Yes. What are like your top things that you turn to when you get a dog, you know, that is experiencing cancer? Well, there's a little bit of a of a controversy at one point in time about the deer antler because it actually has a VEGF, which is a protein that that incre- increases uh, blood vessels. It's one of the factors. And I remember it. us talking about this back when mm-hmm. uh, Nina was first diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and I gave her deer antler velvet every single day. Yes. So yes, well, talk, let's talk about and it. And interestingly enough, they've I just put a I just archived a, a study not too long ago where the balance of that is actually, you know, small amounts of the VEGF is actually 
is actually anti-cancer. So uh, I'll have to send you, remind me to try and send you that study. It's been a couple of weeks ago since I read it, but you know, I, that, that everybody was worried about, oh, you don't want more blood supplies in, in cancer dogs. But if you look at the collagen and they actually did studies in, in like, uh, I think it was mice where they did chemo and the animals actually did better, lived longer with the deer antler. It improved their sense of well-being and their longevity. So as far as like just reducing the, the risks of cancer, if you do the things that have telomerase inhibitors, so you, you stop the, the destruction of the telomeres and you make the DNA replicate more correctly, you have less cancer. So there's a number of those. In fact, I did a whole I did a whole lecture on on those. But those are also longevity factors because the DNA doesn't turn over as rapidly, so they get more uh, reproduction of that DNA before they age out. So you know, there's the I think ashwagandha, and there's so many of those that are that are useful. The deer antlers one, the thymus is one. Astragalus root I know is another one. Yes, actually, yes, it is. And uh, and interestingly enough, cranberry is also a, tel- oh, a telomere. <laughs> it's a telomere lengthener. So I, yeah, that was a that was not one I expected to run across. But that's why it actually ended up. I've got a wellness formula that we that's not being made commercially. We're just making it in house. But that's the reason that cranberries in there. You know, we put it in for. That's great. Liver. I just put cranberry in one of my treats I that are going to come out. So <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> so yay! Well, that's thanks to Doctor Bassent. But yes, um, that's it's a I'm it's a great. Glad. It's a you know you there's so much more data. You know, you just don't realize how many antioxidants it has in it, and it's one of the best antioxidants. Uh, but it definitely they've done some studies on telomeres and cranberry. So you know, I always we used it for bladder stuff forever it's also a biofilm buster so like if, if you if it stays in the mouth for a while it can help break down biofilm you know cancer creates a biofilm that's the that's the the charge that um it you know it has a different charge on it and it repels killer t-cells one of the, it's so one it's of like those. it's cloak it's yes, like it's a little exactly. cloak to hide from everything exactly so the re- one of the reasons i was so comfortable with of course i'm comfortable with anything you suggest because i trust you <laughs> tremendously is that you know, even though you told me that about deer antler velvet and taught me, I knew that I was also giving Nina both THC, a full cannabis extract and a full hemp extract, which I already know that THC is going to cut off that blood supply to the cancer. It's going to kill mm-hmm. it. And yep. that, you know, CBD what turns our cells into natural killer cells, which goes out and finds those rogue cells and kills them. So yes. I knew that even if it did do that, that I was helping her in one way, but I was also making sure that the bad stuff wasn't going to be, the bad part of it wasn't going to take over. Yes. But nobody can argue with me. I watched it stay in her wrist. And you were the one that told me, don't amputate. That's not the first thing you need to do. And I want to thank you tremendously for that because <laughs> when I finally did amputate is when I lost her four months later, which just to bring that up, I want people to understand I don't think people understand what a dog, an old geriatric sick dog with cancer goes through when you put them under and remove a leg. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that because I feel like I want people to know that we have choices. Not only do we have choices inside the holistic realm, we have choices, period. Mm -hmm. So and my choices, what I was told you know, cut the leg off, chemo and therapy and uh, radiation, which I did none of those things. And you got much longer uh, life 
out of Nina yep. than what they will normally give you. So the right. first, you know, the dog that got me started on Homotox was was a was an osteosarcoma dog with a tumor this big. It was huge, just absolutely huge, and they didn't want to take the leg off. It was a middle-aged Irish wolfhound. You know, taking the leg off of her would have been really hard on her. They didn't want to do chemo. They didn't want to do radiation. And I was on the hunt. And I I even called Brzezinski in Houston about anti-neoplastons, but it, you know, would just wouldn't work on, on a dog with an osteosarc. So I had had the orange book and I pulled it off the shelf and looked at it. You know, I called them and I, and they happened to have a, a medical doctor on staff and said, I've got an osteosarc. What have you got? And he sent me... I don't know, half a dozen things, which my mother ended up taking as a matter of fact, and she is now almost 95. She had breast cancer and never did chemo, by the way. Awesome. But anyway, we started that dog on those and the tumor actually shrunk because we actually measured it and it, it physically shrunk over time. Was it on the wrist? Yes. And she was running and playing. Wow. I can't even imagine that because all I saw hers, I told, I was told that any other dog, every time I took her any, any of the vets, they would just be like, how long has she had this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it should be this big yeah. and it's only this big. Yeah. So I never got to see it go down, but I, I never got to see it shrink. That would have blown my mind because it's so hard. I know. And I don't, that, I was surprised too. And then she was running and playing and compressed the bone and we put her down. I mean, running and playing. So her quality of life was great. Now, if I, if I had known then what I know now, I might have recommended at that point in time to go ahead and take the leg off because, you know, there was the one thing that I have seen is that there has not been apparent metastatic stuff to the lungs, which is what gets a lot of those dogs. Right. We had one, the, the I think the first cancer dog we treated with the thymus extract had a big mass on a front leg and she was, you know, middle-aged. Oh, she was older and she wasn't middle-aged. She was an older, big German shepherd. Um, they came for alternative therapy and we did thymus extract injections and we sent her home with, they, they, gave thymus injections themselves and and the, the mass got a little bit bigger but the dog was doing great i mean she was chasing the four-wheeler and the horses and but she started pooling fluid below the tumor yeah that's what nina happened to nina mm-hmm. i said well and we we kept that at bay for a little while and then i said you know get her x-rayed if she doesn't have signs of metastatic disease you know her quality of life is great otherwise i'd take the leg off of her so I sent her back to the veterinarian who had seen her initially, and she had no signs of metastatic disease, which is very unusual on osteosarcs. Yep. Same with Nina. They took the leg off of her. And you know that dog lived another year, year and a half. They moved um, awesome. They moved to Pennsylvania. There was like 20 veterinarians at the time with thymus extract, and they moved into her practice, into her area, uh, Judith Shoemaker had thymus extract. Uh-huh. So um, uh-huh. it was, and they put her down for other reasons, not, not because of the cancer, her, her hind end finally gave up on her, but she was a white, big white German shepherd, which was a risk factor for her anyway, no matter what. Right. So basically that would be a suggestion is if we're going, if they're going to get the leg amputated, what are we going to do to support their immune system and body yeah. after that mm-hmm. amputation? Because explain to what happens to the body when you know, like, let's say your dog's is uh, immune system and body is busy fighting off cancer from spreading and taking mm-hmm. over, and then you put them under and you amputate, then the, isn't the immune system now yes. concentrating on that? And that was the question, then I got off on a tangent, which I do, you know. Oh, no, that's okay. But now I'm saying, 
Can we give them thymus now under afterwards? And this is something that would be supportive. I would do that ahead of time because you want the immune system aware. The problem is that there's this thing called seed and soil where primary tumors, you know, very often have already put nests, which uh, John Beard, the, the embryologist called trophoblasts, and they roundly discounted everything he said. They they basically thought he was a nutcase. Um, now we know they're they're fibroblasts. So there there are cells. There are nests of cells that the body has kind of put out, you know, in distant places. You know, because you so you hear somebody that oh they took a tumor out and six months later it was everywhere. It was already everywhere. When you right. put an animal or a person under anesthesia, you actually put the immune system to sleep. You take the immune system offline. Um, and then the sometimes the primary tumor is keeping a dampening effect on tumors that are other places. You know, it send, must send out a signal or something, but it keeps the it keeps the tumors kind of at bay in other places. Where you take the primary tumor off, you've taken away that signal, that dampening signal, and all of the others go haywire. So there's two things with anesthesia that I think can be uh, an issue with anesthesia and removal that can be a problem. So it makes me, you know, it makes me kind of nervous when you, when people want to take everything off that comes up. Sometimes I'm not sure that that's the best option for it. And oftentimes they don't get it all. So they make it even worse where they're not removing the entire tumor. And so now, so now they kind of like angered it. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, and you've gotten all that, you know, you've got more blood supply coming in to heal that wound. And there's, I, I'll tell you kind of something that so sounds a little uh, crazy, but uh, that's us. But it's based on Dr. Becker's work, the body electric they found that when you, if you had a salamander and you induced a tumor, you know, like in a leg, if you cut through or below the tumor, so the tumor's still there, there's tumor tissue still there. When that tissue regenerated, when the leg regenerated, the cancer went away. And that's called the current of injury. Isn't that interesting? Um, it's called the current of injury. So that current runs down through there. It changes the electrical. There's that electrical wow. thing again. Changes the electrical potential of those cells, and it turns them back to regular to normal cells. So if I get a, a tumor somewhere that I that I can control the bleeding on, I try not to close it because when you close the if you close the gap, you close the current of injury you've stopped the current of injury. So it's almost like the body, it's signaling the body. Yes, it's signaling. To go there, go to that spot and, and fix it. And then in, and while they're going, they're like, oh, oh, hey, cancer, what are you doing here? Let's get rid of you. Yep. Awesome. Yep. That doesn't sound crazy. That makes sense to yep. me. Yeah, it's in the it's in the <laughs> book, The Body Electric by, by Robert Becker. He was brilliant and did uh, the yeoman's work on the on regeneration theories. So he wrote, a, they wrote a couple of books. He wrote a couple of books, but that one, that one kind of changed the way. So if I take a tumor off of a toe, I leave it open. If the owner will let me leave it open, you know, people want it closed, but if they'll let me leave it open, I'm leaving it open. If I can control the bleeding with Unon Bio or pressure wrapping or whatever, I'm going to leave it open just on the premise that as that current of injury runs down through there, it might catch any rogue cells that we might've missed and re-specialize those cells. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. It's just cool stuff. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I love talking to you. I learned so much from you. You have 
books and information and everything, where do people find you? And are you doing, do you do online consultations or? I do when I can work them in. We do quests, okay. which is a bioenergetic screening. And oh my gosh, they take a lot of time. But that 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 allows us some, um, to actually put numerical values to to the therapies that we use. It actually gives us therapies. And then we go back and look at what we know and we check therapies and it, it'll assign whether it's causal chain, which means get, get to the root of things, uh, whether it's a maintenance so that helps with symptoms or whether it's just disresonant. And there's a lot of things that people that are giving that are, you know, they just don't, they don't match up on that dog at all, at least not at this point in time. It doesn't mean that they won't at some point in time. So, and we do on, you know, we're actually dealing with a dog in, New Zealand right now and I think may have heard me on one of your podcasts I'm not entirely certain Uh, and we've got somebody from Egypt and (laughs) so we got some really interesting we got some really interesting thing and one in Canada so we've got three internationals it it actually drives me crazy because I can't they're they're so excited they hear the podcast they want to purchase or get it they can't find it wherever they are we can't send it to them it's the most aggravating thing ever it breaks my heart I used to like, you know, basically put non-labeled products and send them to people to help, but we can't, I mean, we can't do that and it's awful. So those people that are listening that are in a country or even a state that is, you know, not letting these natural things be used or found or even obtained, you need to become an advocate and you need to scream and yell and you need to get involved so that you can have access to it. That's what I did in my own state. I didn't do it alone, but I yeah. did it in my own state. And I work with veteran. I don't. I'm happy to work with veterinarians other places. I, you know, it's not a competition for me. So if you know, if I can, and if I can help them learn something else, I am all for that. We I, we just had a call from a fellow in Belgium, and I found him a, a veterinarian in Belgium because awesome. Karen Becker just happened to interview her like in the last couple of weeks. So I found a heel a heel subsidiary for him in Belgium as well. So and the shipping is awful trying to get anything. Oh, awful. Because yeah. it takes forever and they just will take it and they don't recognize it. so expensive. Yeah. And sometimes it's so a fight. Expensive. You know, it depends on who you get, you know, when they get to customs, it depends on who you get. Most of the time it'll go through every once in a while. It's like, what's this? Same thing I sent last time. All right. So how do they get, how do people find you and get in touch with you? Uh, we have a Facebook page. I do not monitor it. Ashley does. We have a website. It's drpjb.com. If they're interested in the thymus stuff, there's, like I said, there's like seven, well, it's cut down, but there's hours and hours and hours of interviews. They're cut down into sound bites. They're like 10 or 15 minutes. So you don't have to sit through awesome. seven hours of, of interview and they are labeled. So there's autoimmune, there's cancer, there's I think there may have been the lung stuff. Uh, there's anti-inflammatory. You know, thymus has an anti-shock kind of an activity. It's really interesting stuff. It is. It is. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything that you learn with us because I feel like there's a lot of pet parents who aren't finding relief or things that work for them. And I say go try as many of these natural things as possible with the guidance of someone like you or a holistic veterinarian. Can't hurt, might help might actually help. And it's tremendous. And we get to see it 
on a daily basis with people who are finally trying at least a full spectrum hemp extract yes. or a true mushroom extract and seeing their dog come back to life and feel Yeah, good. I'm really excited about the mushrooms. We're okay. we're just starting to starting to I, we have used mushrooms for several years, but we're just starting mm-hmm. to use yours. So they look like good. really really good formulas. So I'm pretty happy about those. Thank you. I worked really hard and it was again went out into the marketplace to try to find something and couldn't find it and found a myco alchemist and teamed up with him. And two years later, we've created, I've used them on my dogs and have seen tremendous um, results. So I'm glad this is just another thing that feeds our endocannabinoid system and helps our immune system function at its optimal. Yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just big balancers. I love, I love the idea that if you give the body the right tools, it can take care of the bulk of problems by itself. That's right. Thank you, PJ. Appreciate you so much. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please make sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening from. This is the best way to help pet parents like you find these episodes and get access to all our content. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Your Natural Dog and at AngelaArtolino.com. Introducing MycoDog, an award-winning line of medicinal mushroom extracts combined with adaptogens like ashwagandha, astragalus root, and bacopa monieri, made specifically for your pets. When it comes to mushrooms, sourcing really matters. Unlike other products on the market that are grown in China or elsewhere, the mushrooms in MycoDog tinctures are grown here in the United States to the highest quality standards. MycoDog offers three formulas designed to support senior dogs, as well as those suffering from dementia and canine cognitive disorder, breathing and respiratory issues, or autoimmune diseases and cancer. Use coupon code YNDPODCAST at MycoDog.com for 10% off these fantastic fungi.